0: Good morning. I'm going to steal one of these music stands. Thank you. Not strong enough to hold up my Bible for... They said to keep it less than two hours. Uh, So it's a long time to hold the Bible up. Those who have to go to the AGM will will just have a, a quiet moment. And anyone who needs to go out to that at... 1.30 One thirty can go, and we'll keep. We'll just continue going. <laughs> I'm going I'm to read to you a, a few different passages from a, a very big passage that is uh, one sort of a discussion that Paul was making in the in the second letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. It's actually a, a, a big discussion that goes from chapter two to chapter five. That I mean, you could you could write three or four books on this. This wonderful little piece of three chapters, uh, or I guess that's four chapters. I'm forgetting my math. Uh, But it's a a wonderful section describing really uh, what it means to be Christian. Who are we? What what is God doing with us, in us, through us? Here, that's the topic. And if you want to figure out, what what does God want to do with me in this world now that I've given him myself? I've worshipped him with my life, presented myself to him. What What does he want to do? Well, right there, I mean, there's many wonderful passages on that topic. But in 2 Corinthians chapters 2 through 5, it's just a great answer to that question. Go spend some time meditating on that and asking the Holy Spirit to teach you. From it. Uh, But we're just going to touch on little parts of it uh, today. And and, and I'm going to read just one verse to start out with. We'll be going through different parts of this. Uh, But I want to read actually one little section. Just listen, listen to this. Um, He says, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ. And manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death and to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for such things? Great question. That's really the question that most of us ask. You read through that and you think, wow, he's supposed to be describing me, you know, a, an aroma uh, of life to life, a fragrance of Christ among those who are perishing. He's describing every Christian and, and what he intends to do with us, to make us uh, something that uh, the world finds like a, a wonderful aroma uh, that that uh, stops them in their tracks. I used to go past this uh, university that had this massive tree out in front of it, and uh, every spring for about three weeks, uh, the smell that came down from that tree was just so wonderful. I tried to figure out what the tree was. The, Chine- the Chinese call it a, 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 a da qing shu. It's a big green tree, they said, and I I said, well, no, I I can see that it's a big green tree, but what's the name of it? And they said, well, that's the name of it. It's a big green tree. And uh, I I never did quite figure it out. It's uh, actually a a distant relative of the Night Blooming series, but you you stand and smell that thing and it uh, just takes hold of you. It's intoxicating. Uh, It's wonderful. And I'd, I'd uh, ride past her on my bicycle and just stop and spend 10 minutes smelling that tree because it was so wonderful. And uh, this passage is saying that's, uh, that's what a Christian is like in the world. Uh, it's, uh, it's an intoxicating aroma. The passage is actually saying that uh, we, we are like fragrant incense to God. Uh, not to other people so much it goes on to talk about how we are in fact uh, presenting this this beautiful reality of Christ within our spirits to the world as well but in that passage it's saying that God is the one enjoying this this beautiful thing that he has established within us the aroma of Christ which pleases him as I was being pleased by the smell of this big green tree and so I want to talk a little bit about that. It asks the question, who is adequate for such things? And of course we we read this and we don't feel so adequate because we know our weakness and we know our sin. And of course we, we, we can all see those things so clearly, when we get into the presence of God, this is we're just like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. The first thing we see when we get into uh, anything close to the holiness and glory of God, we, we say, oh, uh, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. We, we see our sin when we see the holiness of God. But there in that place where we are humbled by the knowledge of our sin because we've seen the the goodness and purity, the set-apartness of God, which is what we're singing when we're singing Holy, 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 that he is set apart from all others by his purity, by his glory, by his being other than what we are like, weak and sinful. And, And... he, he, he says, you come into my presence, and it, it does two wonderful things. It uh, gives you a clear picture of who you are, and it gives you a clear picture of who I am. We see our own selves in truth when we are in his presence. We see the weakness and the sin, and yet at the same time we see who he is, gracious and kind and merciful and loving and forgiving and all of those things in eternal abundance. Uh, There are no boundaries to those things. And that's why we're there. We're being welcomed by his personality, not by ours, by his holiness and righteousness and goodness. That's why we are welcomed to be there. And so this is uh, such a a wonderful passage uh, which reminds us over and over and over of this this process of being constantly in the act of going back into the presence of God to have this happen to us, to answer this question. Now, who is adequate? And we realize, well, I'm not adequate. And of course, that's one thing that the presence of God is supposed to make us realize, that we are not adequate. And yet, just a little further on, it, it tells us very clearly the answer to that, but he God is our adequacy. We'll come to that verse. And that's what we find there, that in Christ, as he has joined himself to our spirit, he makes us adequate for this thing that he's asking, that we reveal him among the nations, that we be this fragrance to the nations, this thing that stops them in their tracks to where they want to stop and get another smell of whatever that was it was, it was beautiful it uh, fed the desires inside of me for what my senses want and even much more so than a, a wonderful flower or a big green tree uh, the fragrance of spiritual holiness is a wonderful thing to the world, I'm going to tell you a little story about uh, someone who uh, who understands this, he's a great example of what is going on here in this uh, little section, uh, because he's such a humble little person with nothing that the world thinks important. Uh, he's he's a farmer. Albert knows this guy, uh, Apu, from Fougon, uh, and. He's about this tall, and he weighs about a third as much as I weigh, which probably isn't hard for you to imagine. Uh, Tiny little guy. I I don't know how much schooling he's had. Um, It's not much. Maybe sixth grade in uh, a rural school where the education uh, levels, the the, uh, academic quality is quite low. ...compared to what you're used to here. And yet he's a very intelligent man, but far more important than that. He has learned uh, to walk with God. And he's been discipled by other people and grown to where uh, he he really sees uh, the meaning of what this passage is talking about. That God is our adequacy to use us in a way that produces this aroma of Christ out into the world. I was talking with Apu. He's actually uh, not a Chinese. That's why he has such a strange name. He's a Lisu man, a minority person from an area out next to the border of Burma. Um, many of the Lisu have, uh, in years past, become Christians, but um, maybe the church has become somewhat Weak um, during the, the, the reign of communism, and um, now the church is being strengthened again, and Apu is uh, one of those young men who God has established as a clear leader to bring the Lisu people to spiritual strength again. But a, a couple of years ago, he was working on a farm that we have that... Um, teaches poor farmers new technologies about uh, how to be farmers, how to to use different types of fertilization and different types of plants and different types of seeds and really do the same thing that they're already trying to do but uh, maybe produce uh, two and a half times as much corn or twice as many potatoes and and uh, different seeds uh, that uh, produce a much healthier plant and that put more protein into these plants. All, all sorts of wonderful ideas and he has learned them. He actually understands a lot about uh, agriculture and new technologies in agriculture. He grew up on a farm and got a, a great education there and then he was taught by other agriculturalists about many different ideas. Nitrogen fixing plants and how to combine uh, f- plants that put fertilizer back into the ground. and keep the hillside from eroding away uh, and yet they have the ability to feed uh, the goats that you raise on the side uh, that then uh, bring your family out of uh, poverty am I making that humming noise by the place where this sits maybe it's my knees anyway um Apu came to me. We we were up at the farm. Actually, it was a very interesting day at the farm. It was the first time that I've ever ever given a goat artificial resuscitation. How how many of you have done that? Yes, see, I'm the only one. Uh, I've done this with humans before, but there we were, and one of the goats put out two little babies, and one of them's laying there lifeless, bent over, and the mother is licking the healthy one that's already breathing, and the other one just laying there, not breathing, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I know what to do. I just never did it on a goat before. <laughs> so we picked up this little baby goat and wiped his face off on my shirt a little bit because I didn't really want to suck all that slime into my mouth, <laughs> and uh, give him just a tiny couple of little puffs, and. A couple of thumb compressions on the chest, and he jumped a little bit and uh, took a deep breath. We gave him back to mom, and she started licking that one instead. So, I am one of the first foreigners to have ever successfully given mouth to mouth resuscitation to a goat. Um, but that isn't the important thing that happened that day. Uh, we were walking around looking at things, and um, Apu, I, I could tell he was a little bit nervous about something, and I wasn't sure what that was because he's such a great uh, director of this farm. We really, uh, other than just discipling him spiritually, growing him spiritually, there's not much to do because he understands so much more about the farm and the purpose of the farm to bring these new technologies to poor farmers so much more so than we do. But he was nervous about something, and, and so I, I asked him... Uh, did you want to talk about something? And um, he said, yes. Uh, he, I could tell he, he had something he'd been thinking about. And he said, I, I think God wants me to go up and take these ideas to the Tibetans because they don't have any Christians among them. And so I want to quit being the boss of the farm and go up there and do that, and of course he was thinking i 'd be upset about that because i wouldn't have any person like him to run the farm, uh, but actually, this is what we what we are about this is what our organization does and and this is what we're praying for, what we 're looking for that the the Chinese indigenous church would stand up and become uh, their own leaders and their own directors and their own uh, owners of of the work of God, the ones who go into the presence of God and find out uh, what does He want to do, and what would He do with me if I would offer Him the opportunity to do whatever He wants. And Apu had been doing that, and uh, God had given him this vision of a, a new work that uh, would no longer be just uh, working on a farm that the foreigners started, but it would be taking uh, the things that he had learned spiritually and agriculturally up into a remote area where there's no church, no Christians, um, just many Tibetan people being controlled by demons, which really is what's going on up there. And so uh, he was kind of surprised to see that we were very strongly in favor of this idea. And um, in less than a year, uh, we had moved him up there help helped him get set up in an area uh, with uh, taking the technologies that we had down on this other farm and uh, gave him half the goats to take up there so that he could raise goats, give them to poor families, teach them how to have an income from the goats, how to raise goat feed on the parts of their property where they couldn't raise anything else, and at the same time make the land more fertile and create feed for the goats. So uh, Apu said to me very uh, anxiously, this is what I want to do. And I said, "Uh, what's the purpose of it? And he got a big smile on his face because he'd already thought through it. And uh, he knew the right answer and he really embraces the right answer. And he said, to reveal Jesus. See, that's really the whole point. It's not about agricultural technologies and just going up into a place and being good. That's all part of it. Uh, But uh, anybody can do that. Mormons can do that. But, you know, to bring... This fragrance of Christ that's being discussed here and manifest the glory of God, manifest the light of Christ, manifest Jesus himself in that place. In this passage I've been talking about, chapters 2 through 5, Paul uses that that word in, in the Greek, uh, phanero, it, it doesn't... You know, mean anything as a Greek word, but it's an interesting word. He uses it numerous times about the idea that Christians are manifestations of God on the earth and that that is their purpose. There's, uh, towards the end of this passage, he says it just very, very clearly that uh, the life of Jesus might be manifested, revealed into the world through us. He's saying this is the purpose of the Christian. You've been bought with a price. For what? You know, God didn't buy you with the blood of Christ without uh, some sort of an intention for your life. So what's what's God's intention when he does that? Well, he intends to manifest Jesus himself into the world through you. He says through this earthen Vessel, this thing uh, made from the world, which means weak, uh, something that's going to one day pass away with all of this earth and be raised up again in a new form, glorious. But but this one here is is made from the earth. It's decaying. He says it's it's rotting. It's dying. It's going the way of the world. And yet he says from this earthen vessel, this body that we have that's weak, he's going to manifest the light of the glory of God. And that's what this passage is all about. And he talks about that glory shining down onto the face of Moses so that it could be reflected out into the camp where the Israelites were staying so that they could actually get this reflection of the glory of God. God God's glory was was so formidable and so overcoming that He couldn't come down into the camp Himself and reveal Himself, be, because uh, it it would have overpowered everyone. And so He shined it onto the face of Moses when Moses was up on the mountain, with Him, and it and the glory stayed there so long, that it reflected out among the people. It says He had to put something over His head, because. The the manifestation of the glory was so bright among the people that they couldn't even look at the face of Moses, who was just reflecting this light of the glory of God. And that's what this passage is going to tell us, is what our life is about in the eyes of God, that we might manifest this glory into the nations so that they might see the thing that they're all searching for. They, they have imaginations of what they're looking for, you know, money and, and power and love and, and sex and fame and prestige and comfort and, you know, different cultures pursue different things. But wh- why are they pursuing? Why is there this pursuit of something? Because there's emptiness, they, they want, they want, they want inside. And they don't know what they want. But they're they're looking for it. They're pursuing it. They're saying, what can I get that will fill up that want inside of me? And God is saying that it's, it's my glory. It's the revelation of me. As they know me, it satisfies. As they come to see me in truth... That wanting dissipates for the first time. That's what the world is looking for. And we're here to reveal it, this glory of God, to manifest this satisfaction, this peace, this uh, uh, great measure of hope that people are desiring, that pushes out their fears, their anxieties, their desire for lesser things. And so that's what we're being told our life is about and Apu knew this already. We'd spent a lot of time with him, several of us talking to him often about, you know, what what are we doing here? You know, is this about goats? Is this about better corn? No, no, this is about Being a vision of Christ for those who are watching, for the community in which you live. And he had been running that thought through his mind and he said, I'm pretty sure God wants me to go up into the mountains and uh, take this vision, this revelation of Jesus up there where the people have never seen him. Tibetan culture is very dark. It is You know, we we work among people who have various degrees of of, uh, satanic, demonic influence. And and the Tibetans are the darkest, uh, the ones most fully in bondage to the work of Satan. And he says, that's where I'm going to go. He saw what? Well, first of all, he saw that he is not adequate for such things. But he most importantly saw that God was his adequacy in these things. Let's read that verse. Um, In chapter 3, just a little further down from where I was reading before, uh, verse 5, he says, Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything. Anything, as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the spirit. And we we are servants of this covenant of God. A little further down, he's comparing this this initial. Ministry of condemnation, ministry of death that Moses brought to the people, the Ten Commandments, and they they couldn't fulfill them. So it was a ministry of death, and yet it was glorious. It came from the holiness of God. And he's saying that ministry had glory. That, That tablet with the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down there with his face shining was a glorious thing. But it was a ministry of death, a ministry of condemnation, because the people could not fulfill the commands. And he compares it right there in in that passage. You you go home and read this this wonderful part here in chapters 3 and 4. He he says compare that to the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of life, the new covenant that he's mentioning here as our adequacy. And what is that ministry that he says right there? The ministry of the Spirit. And what, what is that? What is that ministry of the Spirit about? Well, it is the idea that when we worship God in truth, when we come and present ourselves to him as living and holy sacrifices, the definition of worship that we see in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, When we offer ourselves to God to be spent by him for his glory, what happens? He comes in his promises under this new covenant and he kills the old man. You didn't feel that happen probably when you came to Christ, but you died. And we're reminded by that over and over in scripture. You died and the life that you now live, you live by faith in the son of God. And what is that life? It's the life of Christ, the spirit of life, the spirit of glory in union with your spirit. And I say, he says, I will give you a new spirit, but that's not most of the good news. Most of the good news is that he will bring his spirit as Jesus told us in his last wonderful sermon as he was leaving the earth, I'm going away, but I will return. I will not leave you as orphans. I will give you my spirit. And he didn't set his spirit to sit over in the corner and watch and help out a little bit here and there. He put his spirit to be in spiritual union, and which he describes as a marriage union. He put his spirit together with our spirit indwelling this temple, this vessel uh, that is made from the earth. He says, this is my temple, this body of yours, and I will put my spirit within it, and it will live there. And from that union with your spirit, I will reveal myself among the nations. That's been his plan from the beginning of time, that he will come and reveal himself in new ways in these last days. From this temple that extends across the entire world, you and me and every other Christian, every person in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, established as a very special place, the place from which God reveals himself among the nations, his temple. That's what we are about. We've been purchased. So that God might put his spirit of holiness within us in union with our spirit. So that he might reveal Jesus Christ in all his glory out into the world from this earthen vessel. The light coming from the darkness. Let's read that verse a little further down. He says, that's what this is all about. Light, Jesus, spirit within coming from the darkness, this dying thing that we are, this weak person that we are. He says he's going to send the light out into the darkness from within us. And in, in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, we all with unveiled face, meaning uh, not being like Moses, where, where we have to hide the glory, no need for that any longer. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, because he's now within us. We don't have to look out there at the glory of the Lord. He lives within the spirit of glory, indwells the true Christian. We are being transformed into the same image. What's the image? The image of Christ. The image of the glory of God. Transformed into the same image from the glory of God. Uh, From glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. From the glory of Jesus Christ himself into his glory being manifested among the nations through us is what he's talking about there. And just a little further down, he, he begins to describe this in other words. He's talking about what the people in the world see as they look at us. And, and down in chapter 4, uh, verse 4, he, he's saying um, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He, he's saying, uh, he's talking right there in that verse that Satan comes and blinds them, the God of this world, blinds them from seeing what we are delivering unless God gives them eyes to see he says, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, the glory of Christ, in earthen vessels. True Christians, all true Christians have this treasure. The actual life, the actual glory, the actual spirit of Jesus in earthen vessels, weak bodies, things that are dying, passing away, purchased by God so that he could real, reveal himself here, what he's doing in the world, revealing his goodness, his love, his light, his life, his glory, his holiness, his peace, his hope, all, of the, all that he is. He's revealing it from us. And he's saying, you have this treasure, the actual glory of Christ within you. And my purpose for you is to allow my spirit to control you, to fill you, to anoint you, to put you into fellowship with God in such a way that he is allowed to control you, that he draws your heart to worship him so that this weak vessel in which he has come to live doesn't control your life by its weakness but instead his spirit controls you by all that he is because you submit yourself to him. You go into the presence of God and his beauty his holiness, his goodness the awesomeness of all that he is. An understanding of of his graciousness humbles our heart. That's what happens when we get near him. We get humbled. And we sit there then in his presence with a humble heart. And the natural thing to do is to worship when we've been humbled by seeing who he is. And we do so. And we say, okay, God, here I am. Spend me for your purposes, for your glory. For your desires, whatever you desire, I'm here to do that. We submit this earthen vessel to him. We give him our will, our emotions. And he takes our emotions and heals us and he takes our will and controls it. Because our desire is now for him. Our hope is now in him. Our trust, our dependence, our love is for him. Because being in his presence, that's the natural response for those in whom the spirit dwells. And so what does he do when he gets his way? Well, he shows himself to the world in many different ways. Apu, up in those mountains, has now led led a large number, I mean, for Tibetans, it's just a handful of Tibetans, to, to become temples of the living God. And he's discipling them and forming a church from these young men. And he's he's doing what he went up there to do. He's just day by day revealing Christ in that place so that people will see that there's something here that I want. There's something here which attracts my inner person. I think this might satisfy that hunger inside of me that I've never been able to fill up, that emptiness that, that uh, I'm always uh, out trying to appease. And he, he just goes through his day, he, he isn't focused on, uh, on the world, he's focused on his life with God, on being in the presence of God, and it draws him to be controlled by the Spirit of God, and this promise of the light shining out of the darkness happens by the power and wisdom of God. God accomplishes all of this by grace, by His grace, which establishes faith in us, and we embrace it. We embrace these gifts of God that He puts within us by His presence, and then He controls. And when He controls, He reveals Himself to us and to the world. And that's really the purpose of every Christian. We have no other purpose. We've been bought with a price to be the children of the living God, to be the temples of the living God so that he might do what he does, reveal himself among the nations to show Jesus to the world through this earthen vessel, this dying thing that we are. A wonderful and beautiful idea, but it's just like God to have come up with it and it works and Apu is proving that. Just a little guy who doesn't have any education, he doesn't have any money, in fact I don't know if he's ever even given artificial resuscitation to a goat like me, but he's got what it takes He knows that his adequacy is from God. So that's where he goes to get it, into the presence of God. He knows that God can be depended upon to produce this thing that he describes. He can be trusted to reveal Jesus from my weak, dying self. And so that's what he does. He goes into God's presence and says... I'm not adequate for this, but I'm ready for your adequacy today to control me. And so I I come and ask that question. I mean, we all know we are not adequate, but have you really found uh, your adequacy in God for fulfilling his only purpose for your life? He just has this one, to enjoy fellowship with him In such a way, to be satisfied by his presence in such a way that your heart just wants for him to come in control. Is that where you live your life? Are you living as Apu lives? Saying to God, getting up in the morning with a heart that says, "I, I need and I want to be in the presence of Jesus because it satisfies me. His beauty is what my heart wants. And I'm going to go there and get it. And that's what God's asking. Is that where you're living? In that place where the presence of God is your heart's desire. And it draws you each day to get into his presence so that all that he is, his grace, his beauty, his holiness, his mercy, his hope and peace and love might control you to do what he's asking for to depend on Him, to look to Him, to present yourself to Him. Is that where you live as this young man, Apu, is living and as this passage of Scripture is saying we are all asked to do? And I I would like to ask you to just take one minute and consider these things quietly with your eyes closed. Am I living there in the presence of God so that he might reveal himself to me so that I might truly worship him, so that he would use me for what he purchased me for. And if not, make, make that commitment. Say, God, help me to be there in that place that wants only you each day, that teaches me to worship in spirit and in truth. Ask him these things. Commit yourself now to him. Let's pray. Holy Father, we we come humbly and thank you that you are a God of mercy, that you are our adequacy in your grace and goodness and forgiveness and power. We come, Lord, and present ourselves to you today. And I ask, Lord, for each person in this room that this year would be a time of presenting ourselves to you in new ways that you might more and more each day reveal yourself into this world through us, that you would spend us by your power, by your grace, through the faith that you give to each one of us to be living in that relationship with you that brings your purposes to come to pass in our lives each day. We praise you. We honor you as Lord and King. And we bow now and present ourselves to you for this, your purpose. Amen.